0: Vietnam is forecasted to be one of the fastest growing economies in Southeast Asia and the world. To understand the dynamics behind Vietnam's miracle growth, Vietcetera meets with business leaders in our Vietnam Innovators series every week to discuss the country's future growth prospects. We also learn from the leaders about how they build and manage teams and why they think innovation will be key to Vietnam's role in the world order. Real estate prices are growing at a pace in Southeast Asia that has many wondering if home ownership will ever become a reality for many of the region's rising middle class. According to a new prop tech firm, Homebase, Ho Chi Minh City's apartment market has seen a 22.7% year-on-year increase of prices in 2019. Many are now increasingly looking to the technology industry to produce solutions. Homebase, our guest today, is a Vietnam-based prop tech startup providing customized co-investment plans where home buyers, notably millennials, can pay the portion that they can afford today, move in from that moment, and then buy out all or part of their stake at a later time when they're ready. You're listening to another episode of Vietnam Innovators with me, your host, How Tran. After recently raising its pre-Series A funding round, led by venture capital firms Vina Capital Ventures, Antler, Iterative VC, and several strategic angel investors, Homebase's CEO and co-founder Philip Ahn opens up with us about how his team is gearing up to solve one of the biggest challenges facing today's younger generation, home ownership. The Chinese-American entrepreneur swapped Silicon Valley for Ho Chi Minh City not even two years ago. He's worked at the likes of McKinsey and Company and LinkedIn and is now taking the startup plunge. Here now is Philip with his top tips on real estate in Vietnam and his thoughts on the emerging prop tech scene in Southeast Asia. But before we begin, we'd also like to extend a big thanks to our sponsors, health tech startup, GeoHealth. GeoHealth is known for their innovative products and services to improve the healthcare system in Vietnam. Pay a visit to one of their new smart clinics at M Plaza in Ho Chi Minh City for the latest, or download one of their mobile apps on the App Store or Google Play for more. Good morning, everybody. This is How Tran, your host of another episode of Vietnam Innovators. Uh, this morning, we're welcoming a good friend of mine, actually. I've known him since he moved to Vietnam, uh, and, and our esteemed guest. His name is Philip On. He's the co-founder and chief operating officer of Homebase. It's a prop tech company, a huge buzzword going on around the world, not just here in Southeast Asia and Vietnam. Yeah. Before you introduce yourself, what is Homebase? Give us your elevator pitch.
1: Yeah, so Homebase, uh, we provide personalized rent-to-own solutions, um, and what that means is basically a way of financing homebuyers uh, so that they can either buy or invest in real estate, and we customize it and really personalize it using technology. Okay,
0: Yeah. great. Well, we're going to have to really dig into that, because sure, 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 <laughs> sure. that, that was high level, but right, you know, I'm right. sure there's a lot of details, and a lot of our readers and listeners had a lot of questions for you, too. Yeah. Actually, I, I posted this on LinkedIn and my Facebook yeah. the other day. And we got at least 30 questions, so we're going to run mm. through them today. Not all of them, but okay, the, sure. I've cherry-picked a few that are quite interesting. Awesome, awesome. Um, But yeah, before we go into the meat of uh, the discussion today, Philip, yes. why are you here in Vietnam? Who are you? What are you doing? <laughs> why are you here? It's been 12-plus months since you've arrived, if not right, longer. Right. Um, share with us your journey. What's your History in Vietnam Yeah, so it's super funny because my parents
1: actually asked me that every day, like, what the hell are you doing still in mm. Vietnam? Um, but yeah, so I'm, uh, you know, I'm actually originally, I guess, from the US. Uh, that's where I mainly grew up, uh, mainly lived before US. I was living in South Africa for a bit. So that was a very interesting story. And then after um, I moved uh, from the U.S., I moved mainly to Singapore. Mm. And in the U.S., I was working in a pretty wide range of industries, everything from Silicon Valley and tech to Mm. even uh, banking and consulting in New York City. And I really, really uh, did believe that there was a lot of potential in terms of the startup ecosystem in Southeast Asia. Mm. Um, So when I first moved to Singapore, I joined a early stage uh, accelerator program called Antler um, and that's actually where I met my current co-founder. His name is JY. He's Singaporean, but he's lived in Vietnam for the past several years. And you know, when initially when we started this business, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily, hey, we're going to pick Vietnam and this is going to be the uh, go-to market to to do this solution. Yeah, it was yeah. very much uh, pretty organic, right? Where we talked to a lot of consumers, and ultimately we out on Vietnam. I think because of both uh, macroeconomic reasons. So mm-hmm. I think. Um a lot of people are very, very optimistic about Vietnam's growth in the future. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say that Vietnam is around, I would say China maybe 10 or 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. and there's a lot of upside potential, especially in terms of the real estate market. And um, in terms of more I guess uh, personal reasons, like we also moved here because JY had been living here for the past uh, four or five years. Mm-hmm. He's been running companies here. he knew a lot of people in the market. and yeah, and you know since since then you know we moved here. Um, I think, yeah, it, it's been such an interesting journey because when we started, what we were doing is initially a little bit different than what we're doing now, but um, very, very gratifying and very uh, kind of a crazy experience so far. Yeah,
0: yeah and, and for you, you're not Vietnamese background, are you? No, you're I'm not. Chinese, yeah, yeah, exactly. Taiwanese? I, I, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So I was actually born in Inner Mongolia.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, okay.
1: Yeah, but then uh, we moved out when I was like five years old. Got so, it, got yeah, it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, so your story of, of coming here, it's really through opportunity and, mm. and kind of by coincidence in a way I guess and and it's it's a sign of the times where Vietnam's going it seems you know you've you, you had the choice of working it seems like wherever you wanted but you've, yeah you've obviously chosen Vietnam um and usually you sh- you've chosen prop tech and and home base as kind of your professional kind of yeah. endeavor now yeah um let's zone in on 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 home itself sure, so sure. you gave us your quick elevator pitch sure sure um and uh, we actually wrote an article about you guys, I think mm. a year ago now, and it it's, remains one of our most well-read startup stories, oh, awesome. etc. Um, and and the feedback on it was just exceptional. And I think the tagline it. that we used was like, um, "How can millennials own their first home?" Exactly. exactly. And I think that's a that's a huge topic, and not only globally, but especially in Vietnam, where homeownership mm. is is such a coveted kind of um, sought after kind of milestone for people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you guys, what, what is the problem there and, mm. and what's the addressable market that you're trying to serve? Because, yeah. um, you know, you look at kind of home prices compared to what people are making and mm. the prices just keep going higher. How? Uh, what are you trying to solve there? Yeah, yeah, I think you're exactly right. Um, I think, you know, in Vietnam especially,
1: historically there's been a very high kind of Uh, rate of home ownership, right? A lot of people want to buy real estate, and a lot of people even say that it's like a milestone of life that you have to pass through. Um, But fundamentally, what you see in Vietnam is that, you know, everything's growing really fast, and that has especially manifested in home prices. So I think um, JL, Jones Lang LaSalle, did a uh, sort of study in 2019 in, I think, like Q1, and it said that the average apartment price in Ho Chi Minh City went up 22%, Mm. um, which is pretty insane if you think about it. In one year? In one year, in one year, like year on year growth. Um, Because there's no way your income or your savings can grow up that much, Mm -hmm. right? You know, if you're just a millennial or you're just starting your job or even if you're a high paying executive. Um, And I think on the other side of home ownership is home financing, right? Um, If you want to buy a home, it's probably one of the most important purchases you'll ever make in your life. Mm -hmm. And it's actually quite a large purchase. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what you see in more traditional economies like the U.S. and Singapore and, you know, Europe is that you actually go to banks for financing. Um, But I would say that in general, in Vietnam um, and in Southeast Asia as a whole, maybe with the exception of Singapore, um, I would say that the financing environment is relatively immature. So, mm-hmm. banks here have interest rates that are you know, anywhere between 10 to 15%. Well, why are they year. that
0: high? Because, um, mm-hmm. just to put in context, especially sure, for sure. our listeners who are here in Vietnam, exactly. uh, if you put money in the bank, you get 6, 7, 8% yes. interest. Bank loans are 10 and 12 Yeah. But if you are coming from the places like the US, where, yes. where we're from, interest rates could be 2%, 3%. Yes. Why, yeah. why, why is there such a gap? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: I think it's just the stage of the entire, like, monetary policy of a country, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Vietnam is still uh, a developing country. So mm-hmm. even several years ago, inflation was quite high, right? Mm-hmm. So when you um, have a bank and you have the Fed or you have a sort of a, uh, you know, central government uh, printing money, right, um, you have to account for the inflationary risk on the interest rates, right? Mm-hmm. So in more, I would say, you know, Western European countries, especially even, you know, even lower than the U.S., right? Interest rates are like 1%. Um, And even in Japan, I think if you put money in a bank, sometimes you have to pay the bank, Mm. like negative interest rates, right? So this concept of, um, I think, in in Vietnam is still developing, right? Because the country is still growing and uh, the, the, the sort of monetary policy hasn't fully settled yet, right? Um, But I think because of that and because of the really growing prices, what a lot of people see is that they have a lot of trouble being able to finance homes, right? Um, Because interest rates are really expensive or banks are, you know, a little bit more difficult to work with, right? Mm -hmm. Because they require higher down payments in the beginning or uh, the structures aren't as flexible, right? Um, So I would say that for a lot of younger folks who are maybe just starting out, maybe they don't have a um, high-paying job just yet, Mm -hmm. um, getting that first step in the door is extremely difficult. And because there's constantly growing prices, what you see that it's actually very, very hard to catch up because while you're trying to save, while you're trying to build up your wealth, while you're trying to build up your savings, you know, your home prices are still going up. They're escaping you, right? So what we wanted to really tackle was find a way for that you know, millennial home buyer for that uh, first home investor, basically, to get their foot in the door. Mm-hmm. And you know, we really think that our solution can help you be able to do that.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Uh, we have a reader question sure. that actually touches upon this exact uh, topic. Awesome. Talk about you know, getting access to these financing options. So yeah. We have a question from a gentleman. His name is Alex Ward. He's a mm. director of the Heinrich Foundation here in Hutchman City. Um, it seems like he's been living here for a while. His question for you is how does home base rate and qualify potential clients, especially those that are younger in Vietnam mm. for these financing solutions and, and what kind of guidance does your team offer to these clients?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I think in general, um, you know, we use technology to do the entire process, mm-hmm. but I would say in general, we look for two main things. Um, when we work with prospective home buyers, uh, number one is your savings, right? Mm-hmm. So how much money do you have currently? Mm-hmm. Um, part of our plan on, you know, how we work is, you know, we ask the consumer to put down a little bit in the beginning, uh-huh. you know, the amount actually is quite flexible. Sometimes we do up to 90% financing. So you only put down 10%. Sometimes we do less. Um, but you know, if you already have, let's say 10%, we actually ask, ask you to prove that, right? Uh-huh. Because otherwise we can't buy the home. Right. Um, And the second thing is your monthly cash flow. We want to make sure that the consumers that we do work with, um, you know, they can actually get jobs or they have actually employment income or any other type of income that can sustain these financing plans. Because Mm -hmm. the worst thing that we can do for both of us is is default, right? Um, And the really good thing about our program is that we actually try to be as inclusive as possible. So we can structure these plans in a a way that maybe, you know, you don't have a lot of income now or you don't have a lot of savings now, but you might in the future. So you're kind of betting
0: on the consumer in a way that... They're hopefully growing as mm. as the the home kind of financing matures. Is that right?
1: Sure. So um, it could be betting on the consumer, but yeah. you know, part of what what we also do in terms of our financing plans is we sometimes do co investment, right? Yeah. So it's not necessarily you that has to pay us right now. Mm-hmm. But if property prices increase in the future, then we both win. Mm-hmm. And maybe we get a bigger portion of that, right? Or maybe we share in that appreciation as well. So we're a co-investor, right? And instead of you having to stomach these high interest rates and very inflexible payments right now, mm-hmm. if the home value rises in the future, that's what
0: helps you, I guess, subsidize your your cost of financing for now. Gotcha. So you, yeah. you guys are essentially creating your own credit score in mm-hmm. a way. You have a home base score that you guys <laughs> internalize to determine sure. if a customer is... Is credible is 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 trustworthy to to co invest with. Mm. Um, is that a proven score? Is that mm. something you guys are you know? It sounds like you're putting your money. Behind, say, <laughs> but, sure, sure. And could you kind of get into the nuts and bolts of how that score works? If, yeah. if a score even exists.
1: Sure. Actually? So um, I mean, fundamentally, there is that kind of score, right? Mm-hmm. And I think in every kind of transaction, we're betting on two main things. Number one is the consumer itself, right? You know, we want to make sure that you're. Uh, you know, you're stable and, you know, you're not going to default on us or, you know, you're going to continually build down your wealth and be able to own out the home eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing actually we bet on sometimes is property, right? Mm -hmm. Because uh, in some of our plans that we do, uh, we structure it whereby, you know, if the property increases in value or Mm -hmm. if there's appreciation, then we take an equal split or we take a split of it, right? Mm -hmm. So we win only when you win, right? So, you know, kind of throughout every single transaction, we want to make sure that these two things are, are the ones that are, I guess, you know, that we're, we're, we're kind of confident on. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So this win-win mentality, <clears throat> um, uh, that's great to hear that you guys yeah. have that mindset. Um, we have another reader question. Sure. This one uh, is a big one, especially um, for those that have looked into finding option, financing options, mm-hmm. but aren't particularly, they don't feel like they're trustworthy or they're too one-sided. It's sure, not a win-win. Sure. Um, how does it compare to other financing options from banks? Let's put it, you know, to yeah. as, as, as you could say, exactly. is it lower interest? Is it less collateral requirements? Is it expat friendlier? Is the process more streamlined? This mm. is a question from our good friends, uh, Tuan Le. He's a director at the lab Saigon, also here in Ho Chi Minh City. We'd love your kind of take on that. Sure. Like.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think if you look at, you know, um, the financing market here in mm. in Vietnam is quite limited. So the structure of a traditional Uh, I would say bank loan or mortgage looks something like this, where, you know, banks will finance up to 70% of your property, Um, the term may be only 10 to 15, or sometimes up to 20 or 25 years. Um, uh, If you have to repay, usually it's interest and principal every single month. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and if there's appreciation, the bank, you know, is, is debt, right? So they don't care if it's appreciation or not. So they don't care if you get a good property, you get a bad property, if it goes up, if it goes down, right? Um, and Homebase is actually trying to, uh, make it more of a co-investment plan, right? So, you know, in our plans, it's definitely a little bit, uh, more flexible because we're, we're sometimes willing up finance up to 90% of the property. Uh, we can structure the plans where, you know, your interest rates are actually even way lower than the banks, mm-hmm. right? So your monthly outflow that you have to pay, sometimes is only one fourth of what you pay to a banks, wow. but you know, in the future, if there's appreciation, that's when we both win, mm-hmm. right? But if there's no appreciation, you don't have to actually pay, pay us back extra, right? right? So essentially what you get is basically you get a buddy or you get a co-investor who is, uh, I guess, decently knowledgeable about real estate, who's also taking bets on the property market on your exact property. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, you know, if you want to rent it out, you can live in it. It's up to you, right? You can you can do all of that.
0: So right? who are these buyers hmm. today? I mean, um, yeah. it seems like, you know, you guys, um, you're still relatively new to the market sure. and in terms of early adopters, who have they been exactly? And who do you hope that these people will be as the company matures. Definitely,
1: definitely. I think, uh, you know, our, our customers are actually quite uh, diverse, right, there's, I mean, so we work with uh, expats, foreigners, VQs who, you know, want to invest in the market, right. Um, actually, uh, back to Tuan's question, right, there's actually no financing options for ex- expats or foreigners right now. So if you go to a bank, they'll only give you a loan like as long as your are TRC, which is like two years, right, which is right. quite hefty. Um, and, you know, if you're a foreign investor, there's no way you can get financing here basically, right. Um, so we see a decent amount of demand on that because you know for a lot of these people we're probably some of the first financing solutions, but we also see a lot of you know young Vietnamese who are aspirational homebuyers, right? Um, but before, if they wanted to get a mortgage, uh, it's very inflexible. There's you know maybe you have to put down thirty percent or forty percent down, um, and that's very hard, right, for someone who's just starting out their career. Um, so we do see a lot of demand on that side as well. Got it. I think the, you know the ultimate goal for a business like home financing is that we don't want to target just one you know specific demographic, right? It has to be something that works for everyone. Mm-hmm. And you know, I guess what's the Elegant part of this plan is that we can actually customize our financing plan based on some of the factors that we mentioned, right? Like LTV, like how much do they need to pay us back? Mm-hmm. Um, like the structure of the loan mm-hmm. to make it work, to make sure that there's a value proposition for everyone. Right. And I think even today, um, you know, in the beginning, like, you know, we, we were definitely like, Oh, like, is this, is this the target customer profile? But now I think we've done enough transactions and have uh, you know enough customer experiences in the market, such that you know we have customers who are foreign investors who have maybe five to ten million USD in assets, both domestically and overseas, mm-hmm. um, to even the you know starting off uh, millennial who maybe is only making twenty or thirty million uh, VND a month, mm-hmm. right? Um, so we want our cl- plans to be quite inclusive of, of everyone in that in that customer segment. And, and
0: what kind of homes do you guys are, mm. are you guys typically co-investing in at the moment? Are you buying mm. apartments, landed homes? land? Yeah. Um, and what are the sizes of these homes in terms of transaction?
1: Amount? Yeah, we have actually done um, basically everything that you mentioned yeah. across the entire market. So apartments, both primary market, which are basically from the developer uh, to secondary market. That I mean, they have already been handed over. They already have a title, which is mm. called the pink book here yeah. in Vietnam uh, to landed property to land to uh, some people want to buy offices with us. Wow. Right. Uh, yeah. So quite diverse, I would okay.
0: say. Yeah. Got it. Cool. Well, so that that kind of goes over the the business itself sure, and Sure. some sure. of the challenges and questions and opportunities that these potential buyers mm. have. Um let's move over to the the kind of startup journey yes. that you guys have had. Yes. Um from what I understand, you guys just raised a pre-Series A financing. So yes. congratulations. Thank you. I always say it's a double edged sword. <laughs> yes, it's a it's a good milestone to look forward to, but obviously there's so many more challenges and definitely, opportunities that lie ahead. Yeah. Um what has the startup fundraising environment been like for you guys? Because um, a lot of your mm. investors are cross border are yeah. here in Vietnam, I'm sure, but some are cross border and how do they see the Vietnam startup ecosystem and, yeah. uh, and what opportunities are they excited about? And mm. and maybe you can share kind of your experience. Um, have you had to convince these investors in <laughs> the market or are they kind of already bullish on it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, we, we actually just announced, um, I think, last week publicly that we, you know, closed this pre-series A round. Um, yeah, and I think it was a very interesting experience because of what's happening in the world right now. Um, obviously, you know, COVID is still in the background uh, for Vietnam, right? Like, you know, we, we, I, life is pretty much back to normal here. But I think for a lot of um, other investors or other people across most of the world, like in the, in the, even in the U.S. and mm-hmm. Silicon Valley, um, it's still a permanent fact of life. And I think a lot of my friends are still in lockdown. Um, for us, fundraising was quite interesting because I think as a Vietnam company, um, you still do face an uphill battle, battle um, trying to convince investors that hey, you know Vietnam has high potential because it's still a relatively small country, and um, for a lot of institutional investors, especially VCs or private equity funds that are based in Silicon Valley or New York, it's you know still a tough bet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for us, I think we were fairly lucky because of two main factors. Number one, um, one of the investors that came in this round was Vina Capital for us. So, um, you know, they had a, a lot of support and, you know, name recognition, I think, throughout the Southeast Asia investing community. Mm-hmm. Um, we did we did raise from Singapore funds before. And then the other thing is um, we did have several even angel investors who... Um, We're quite prolific in terms of the real estate prop tech space. So the former uh, CEO of Zero Down, the former CEO and and co-founder of Divi Homes um, are all angel investors for us. And it's a very relevant business um, because these businesses have raised, I don't know, like hundreds of millions of dollars in USD. And they're doing exactly the same as what we're doing, but in the U.S. Um, But I would say that in general in Vietnam, you know, you still do have to find a, I think, a, either like a solid lead investor who's, you know, from overseas, mm-hmm. um, or you have to do a little bit of more convincing, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, personally being on the ground, I'm super excited about Vietnam, right? Like COVID hasn't been a pack of part of life for the past like two or three months, and I think living here, you do see. Um, how things are changing so dynamically, how things are building up, but from a overseas investors perspective, who's never been to Vietnam, who has never like witnessed the growth here, they don't really feel that um, dy- dynam- dynamism mm. um, every single day. And for them, it's you know still an uphill battle that they have to sort of you know be convinced of. Yeah. Got it. Got yeah.
0: it. Yeah. And I, you I, have to do it over Zoom, right? Over Zoom. You know, yeah.
1: not yeah, yeah, not it's not, not necessarily the best. Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: So it sounds like people are really. Uh, convinced in a way about mm. the growth metrics and the opportunity in Vietnam, yeah. and it takes some sort of risk appetite to invest because the exit opportunities are still, I wouldn't say limited, but yeah. unproven. Yeah, uh, it's not like in the US you can start a company and one year later it gets acquired. <laughs> I mean, it's possible, but yeah. it's, it's not as common. So you know, hopefully, that's a, a challenge the startup ecosystem can overcome together. That yeah. exit kind of uh, route for these entrepreneurs, definitely, and, definitely, and investors. Yeah. Um, moving yeah. forward, I mean, you know, this kind of seven figure round that you guys have raised, mm-hmm. how are you guys using it? Is it mostly to acquire new properties to, to allow for more co investments? Is it to invest in technology? Like, how how is that being used?
1: Yeah, I would say there's uh, probably three or main four kind of uh, you know ways we're gonna use this money to expand. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, I think is uh, launching new products for our prospective home buyers and home sellers. So even in the U.S., you know, there's tons of prop tech companies, right? There's companies that you know are really big right Mm. uh there's one called opendoor that provides liquidity for real estate they just went public via spac Mm. i think for like 13 billion dollars right um you know there's zero down there's Divi homes there's unison there's you know a lot of the zillow redfin right but i think in vietnam and in southeast asia the uh environment for prop tech companies is still quite you know early stage right so we do see a lot of potential um you know, in Southeast Asia, because appetite for home ownership is very high in Asian societies. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you have a really growing, uh, you know, middle class, you have a lot of young people who have appetite for home ownership. And actually, none of these services that we see in the US and in Europe are are here yet, right? Mm -hmm. So as, you know, a, I guess, a first mover of sorts, right, in this real estate financing space, we hope to bring some of these products um, here. Um, For us, yeah, number two is I think like technology. So using it to enhance our user experience. You know, we touched on some of the credit scoring stuff and the asset valuation stuff earlier on. And then I think also just geographical um, and, you know, regional expansion as well. Mm. Um, So potentially going to other cities in Vietnam and Mm. also within Southeast Asia as well.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So you you guys only operate in Ho Chi Minh City at at this point, as, Mm. as I understand probably look at Hanoi obviously the second largest mm. city essentially the same size sure, sure. in terms of market opportunity yeah. um, as of right now are you getting a lot of inquiries from there is that a signal for you to, to move there kind of like um, and aside from Vietnam where, where else are you looking to, to potentially expand in the future
1: yeah yeah I think yeah throughout the journey it's been uh, you know we've gotten inquiries from like pretty much every corner of Vietnam mm. like even in like Vung Dao and mm. um, like other parts the of provinces. yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, and, you know, for us, like, before we invest in an asset, we just really want to be sure that, you know, it's, it's there, right, and it, it's, it's something that's stable that we can actually invest in. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think there's actually a lot of demand in, especially in these bigger cities, right, where um, a lot of young people are moving towards. Um, and, you know, if I'm a, maybe someone who's growing up in the provinces where the, all the job opportunities, where the educational opportunities, it's these big, uh, big cities, right, like Hanoi or Da Nang and, and other parts, right? Um, In terms of more regional, it's definitely a tough question, Um, especially right now, right, because of COVID and these kind of limitations. Um, You know, we did have a lot of, uh, even our previous rounds of funding, we did have a lot of angel investors who maybe are based in other countries. Mm. Um, So when you look at markets like Indonesia or Thailand, you know, that are uh, really big markets, Mm. right, they also uh, face a lot of the similar problems where um, bank or traditional infrastructure for financing is very, very limited. And, you know, it's very inflexible. A lot of people have trouble buying real estate because of high growing prices. And on the other hand, um, you know, what you briefly talked about was how do we actually finance the properties? We actually do work with a lot of other investors, right? Mm. Uh, Bigger investors who want to deploy capital. And we do see a lot of investment appetite, um, especially from more Western traditional economies, to deploy into these, you know, developing economies with Mm. higher growth potential, right?
0: So some of these deals that you guys are doing, Mm. you're like the the sourcing kind of, lead kind of investor in a way. Um, and then you have other co-investors that will join mm. for 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 these opportunities. Yeah, you can definitely
1: think of it as that. Um, yeah, I mean fundamentally we also do some sort of like financial engineering, right? right? Where um you know sometimes people like if I'm a you know investor from Hong Kong or Singapore and I want exposure to the Vietnamese real estate market. Traditionally, what I have to do is something like I have to, you know, go there physically, I have to buy an apartment, and then I have to maintain it. And then I have to try to rent it out Mm. and then sell it maybe five years later. And I think for a lot of, you know, funds or family offices with a lot more institutional capital where they can deploy, you know, check sizes of one to five bucks, right? It's very difficult to do that because it's mm. very time, you know, time-consuming, right? right? I'd much rather invest in a fund that can do that all for me. Mm. So sometimes these are the type of investors that we, you know, like working with, right? Because we can help them deploy capital at scale. Got and ahead. then, you know, they don't have to worry about um, doing anything
0: on the ground as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, Philip, I, that, that kind of wraps up <laughs> our business discussion. Sure, 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 about sure. base and kind of your journey. Sure. and well, Let's go to the big burning question that everyone always loves to ask. Um as a buyer or yeah. a prospective buyer, I don't know if you've, you own anything or even looking to mm-hmm. personally, is it an opportunity right now for people to buy in Vietnam mm-hmm. or would yeah. you kind of wait Is it time <laughs> to sell maybe? Is it, what, yeah. what is it?
1: That's a really good question. Um, yeah. And it's, it's actually something that a lot of our customers ask, uh, especially overseas clients cause they have, uh, you know, it's, it's very hard to get visibility on the market. Mm. Um, I think the overall answer is yes, but again with an asterisk. Um, so you know maybe there's a caveat here. Mm-hmm. But I think generally, if you look at the market, right, um, and the macro factors at play, um, you see stuff like, you know, in 2019, property prices increased something like 20%. Mm-hmm. Um, you see stuff like in the past five years, supply has continually shrunk. Mm. Actually, there's been more reabsorption of property. Um, and, you know, more people have been buying property than new new demand has been released, right? Um, you see a lot of uh, foreign investors, right, mm-hmm. especially from Hong Kong, from Singapore, trying to move their money from Singapore or from Hong Kong or from China now to Vietnam mm. because it's fast are growing you know the government is encouraging a lot of fdi um and yeah even during covid i think cbre did a report where the average property price here increased mm. even during covid right? right while you know you see markets like hong kong or singapore they crashed like 20 or 30 percent wow so fundamentally from a macro perspective uh and and if you actually do comps versus other major city in southeast asia like bangkok i would say that price per square meters are still actually quite low compared to those right So if you look at a macro perspective, it is, you know, quite, um, quite lucrative and, and there does suggest to be a lot of growth in the future, but obviously, you know, you have to really consider who the buyer is and what type of property you want to buy Um, for example there have been you know some properties that released especially in the two team like district 2 area Mm. where prices have been quite high and you know they're primary market properties right so they're very luxury buyers where you're paying around you know 1.2 to 1.4 billion I mean 1.4 million USD for like a three or four bedroom apartment Mm which is, you know, comparable or even more so than New York or San Francisco, right? Um, So, you know, if you're maybe a luxury buyer, you might have a different type of investment appetite Mm. than another kind of buyer, right? Um, But yeah, I think fundamentally for us as home-based, right, um, the value proposition that we do bring is, you know, if you do want to invest in an apartment, sometimes we'll split the appreciation with you, right? Mm. So we are actually incentivized to help you find a property that we have a fairly strong hypothesis Mm -hmm. that will grow, right? Otherwise, we also lose a lot of money as well. Yeah.
0: Cool. Well, that's the opinion from Philip. I yes. mean, I recently went to another event where the CEO of Son Kim Land, ah, Andy Han. Yes. Uh, I posed him the same question. I'd love <laughs> to answer. i uh, got these kind of insights from the, the big question, the very simple one too. And he said it's it's always the buy opportunity and historically. <laughs> at any point that you've bought real estate in Vietnam, it's always appreciated mm. historically. Mm. Let's see how that how far that run goes. Yeah. And, um. You know. And, but most importantly, you know, it's not just about capital gains and is your home value keep going up. I think ownership is also a big thing where Vietnamese, especially young ones who, yes. uh, millennials and gen Z, who are, uh, that's a milestone in life to build a family, build definitely, a home around. It's, it's not just the value of the home, but definitely. also the value of the home from a kind of family perspective and, and personal growth and development. So yeah. that's also something to consider. So anyways, um, big thanks to our guest here this morning, Phil Bond. Thank you for joining us at the radio room here at the Vietcetra studio uh, here in Ho Chi Minh City. Um, that's Philip on. He's he shared his story. Thanks, guys, for, again, tuning in on another episode of the Vietnam Innovator series. Tune in every Tuesday. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on YouTube. Thanks again, Philip. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, guys. Cheers. Check out the video version of our podcast on other platforms such as YouTube and Facebook. New episodes are out every week. And don't forget to subscribe to Vietcetera's Spotify, Apple Podcast, and YouTube channel for more interesting content. We'd also like to give a big thanks to our sponsors, Geo Health, our launch partner in this new series. Geo is one of the must-watch innovators in the technology and healthcare space in Southeast Asia. They are best known for their doctor-at-home services, introducing the likes of a new smart clinic at M Plaza in Saigon, for those interested in watching the technology and healthcare space, they are definitely one of the ones to watch.